Hey y'all, welcome back to a Saturday, June 25th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Must Podcast on the Blue Wire Pod Network. Uh, one day removed, I uh, kind of wanted to let uh, the full ride episode breathe a little bit on the college football front. Uh, a lot of content lately uh, here on the Chase Must Podcast. So wanted to give kind of a break in between uh, this week, but uh, kind of a crazy week on my end anyway. So uh, stats by Will, uh, Mr. Will Warren uh, is on this edition of the podcast, but tape this on thursday evening so it was not time sensitive so i was okay with holding it for a couple days so uh still ready to go for you guys here uh to get your weekend started right um so yeah that's why will we talked all things college basketball at this time as we do every single week there was a there was a lot of a lot of college basketball for us to discuss on this edition of the podcast so uh, we were able to do our Kim Palm uh, season review. Next up was the Illinois Fighting Illini and where they're at going into next season. Uh, why they'll look radically different going into next year without Kofi and company. Um, but there's a lot of reason for optimism uh, for uh, Illinois. So we talked about that. FSU getting a big time international prospect. A uh, good piece by Gary Parrish of CBS Sports on big men returning to school. Um, how the portal is uh, unfolding for a lot of college basketball kids high major mid major and low majors so really good piece in the athletic on that that we talked about isaiah mosley committing to mizzou and why dennis gates and company has the tigers moving in the right direction going into next year um the some tennessee stuff just a little bit not a lot um in terms of lineups and stuff like that but yeah a lot of a lot of fun college basketball on this edition of the podcast so appreciate you guys making the chase the most podcast here on the blue wire pod network part of your saturday listen or whenever you are listening but either way thank you for making the chase the most podcast part of that uh daily listen so there you go new content every day here on the chase the most podcast Check us out on YouTube, uh, this episode, and all kinds of other great video content over on the YouTube page, youtube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast. Uh, go visit the homepage, chasethomaspodcast.com. Tweet at me at Chase double underscore Thomas. Like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. And then I wrote about John Collins, who is still an Atlanta Hawk as of this recording, um, and why that is, and his future with the Hawks, and why the Hawks are kind of in a weird spot with Collins and company and why it's not his fault and uh, why it really sucks that they're in this position to begin with. So go read that. You can read that over on the sports Renaissance man. That's me sports Renaissance man. Substack.com. All right, that's it. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas pod, the Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back. Taping this on a Thursday afternoon here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I am joined, stats by Will, Mr. Will Warren. He's freshly tanned, so for the folks checking us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast, guess what? You're going to see a tan, tan Will who has an ability that I don't have. He has two, like, he has a lot of abilities that I don't have, um, and two of the big ones, uh, the tan, I can't tan, uh, for the folks counting at home, as a fair-skinned man. That is just not uh, not something I can do. I'm slathering up the SPF 50 when I'm running around Knoxville this summer. And uh, for Will, doesn't have to do it. It's just a natural tan. Uh, and then number two, it's just uh, the hair. I can't do that anymore. Uh, he's got. <laughs> I used to be able to do that, but at 31, it's over. That uh, that part of my life is over too. My my uncle always hits me with with this hairstyle, which I think one of the great things about working from home is you can sort of get away with this. Uh, mm. is uh, he always asks me if I've uh, put my finger in an electric socket lately. 
or have I been shocked? My dad always used to ask if I was trying to look like a bird, so I don't oh, know wow. if that's much better. But yeah, the haters are out in full force. Um, no, I'm kidding. That's on the tan note. Mm-hmm. Um, the secret is to just simply greatly respect the UV index. When you see that tin pop up on your weather app, don't stay out in the sun for longer than like 20 minutes. It's uh, you, You're out there for 20 minutes, even with sunscreen on, 20 plus minutes. Uh, for people like you and I, it's uh, it's a bad time. UV index. Are you checking that out in Knoxville when, before you run and stuff? Not not in the mornings. When it's like mm. 7 a.m. or whatever, uh, no need to check. But when I was, yeah. so I was in Florida last week, and uh, there were days there when the UV index was like touching 13 or something. And I'm like, that's not supposed to happen. All right, I'll bite. What's a UV index? <laughs> uh, supposedly zero to 10. Yeah. You know, obviously 10 being the worst. Okay. Uh, it's just like a measurement of how bad the ultraviolet rays from the sun are. And I had read like that's yeah. the best way to determine how much you want to be out versus not want to be out in the sun without, you know, sunscreen protection. There you go. And when you're swimming and whatnot, the sunscreen washes off a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. So therefore, not trying to stay out too often. Guess who didn't get burned? I didn't get burned. But you still got a tan. You were able to do it without burning. So yeah. it's a tough needle to thread there. Um, As somebody who got burned twice already this year, one of which uh, I was just very ill-prepared for. Mm. Uh, you, you learn your lessons every year, and I learned mine a little earlier than usual. So How I was, bad? I was were we talking about peeling? Were we talking about some bumps? How bad was this burn? Uh, just like a solid six, seven out of ten. So okay. an annoying one. Yeah. Uh, but it was, you know, my little brother, little side note, my little brother is in Rocket Club at UT. Which what is does that the mean? Of, he's, uh, he builds rockets and shoots them off. Oh. Yeah, he's way smarter than me. I'm an idiot compared to so him. So he's an engineer. Yeah, he's an aerospace engineer. Oh, wow. So, so he's just like Josh Dobbin over here. Yeah, or Luke okay. Lipchus. Oh, there you go. I so, forgot right? he was too. Is yeah, he? Yeah, he was. Because they okay. kept, it was in the same realm of like Dobbs and then like Denard Robinson not tying his shoes that mm-hmm. it got mentioned every single time. Yeah. Or it's like, oh, I can't believe he's an aerospace engineer. And it's like, well, okay. Well, everybody's got a major. Yeah. Nobody talks about me being an English major. Hold on. We, we respect Josh Dobbs in this podcast yeah. as a friend of Josh Dobbs. So you get it, though. We're, we're pro Josh Dobbs on this on this platform. Fair enough. But I think either, he actually has way. a club. He has a, or not a club, a clothing line that's like Astro something now. he It's working. He spent he spun it off into a, a clothing business. Think about how much he could have made on NIL while at UT <sighs> off of that. Because, I mean, he was for... Yeah. I would argue a year and a half, if not two full years, the most popular athlete on campus. Hmm. Or at I least mean, it the was either well him known. or Kamara. Like, it was... Uh, but Kamara was more year two. Dobbs yeah. was, like, pretty sustained both years. Like, high popularity. Even when... Derek Barnett. Yeah. Like, fun fact. Derek Barnett, the last Tennessee volunteer to actually go in the first round in the NFL draft. That's a streak that I'm assuming is not going to be broken eh, maybe next year. I don't know. It might get broken next year. I mean, Tillman, it, we'll see. He's our best hope uh, this upcoming year, but, you know, we'll see. It's not Hooker? No. See, I admit I don't really follow this stuff. No. So Hooker not... and Stetson are like, look, I love Hendon, and I'm excited for the season for him, but um, no, he's he's like a fourth, fifth, maybe not even drafted oh. kind of guy. He's, in that, he's above Stetson, but he's in that range where it's like all-time great college career. Um, great college quarterback, but I don't think uh, he'll be an early pick in the NFL draft. Seems speaking, like that's not Speaking the case. of guys who are going to make a ton off of NIL, I assume Stetson is one. 
I don't know, but like, what is it? His... You could just do so much unless mm. the USPS steps in to create a mailman line. But that's and the thing. Has, like, that's a government. That's not, it's not private. That's a public entity, sir. That is a, how does that work? So why don't they sponsor him? Mm. I don't know. I don't know how all that works, to be completely honest. I, I just see yeah. it pop up and I see the deals are being made and I'm just like, huh. I don't. I don't think anyone actually has like a good read, and I feel like you can only have a good read on one particular program because every NIL collective is different, and everybody's doing different stuff. So it's the wild, wild west. So it's like, oh, I understand how NIL is working. Mm, you can know how Spire Sports is working, maybe, but I mean, what Louisville's doing is completely different. What Iowa's doing is different. Like it's just, I don't know, man. It's a, uh, it's a wild, wild time at the moment. Uh, I, w- spe- I would love to have enough disposable income to sponsor like an end-of-the-bench basketball player for UT mm. to be okay. really into the website. And to like re- retweet it. You retweet every article mm-hmm. you share, and you're like, this guy's really smart. If you, Even if you believe I'm an idiot, it's okay. But if it was like walk-on, like Brock Jancic, that would be the perfect <laughs> guy to be the flagship, spot, uh, flagship um, personality for the yeah. site. Because I can't. I'm not exciting. Brock well, I need Zakai to be mine, like where it's just one yes. of those because we've seen each other on campus so many times that he's like, "Hey, if I just like retweet some of your stuff, will you stop staring at me or like making eye <laughs> contact?" <laughs> it's not my fault, man. I swear, and it's like a running gag where I'm like, I could. It's just the weirdest thing that I I see Zakai Ziegler more than any other player on campus all the time. <laughs> it's really strange, and you know, it's also thing. Uh, I wonder how it's like for big time college athletes where like. And I like just because I work in the in the Hodges library a lot. That's where I'm going to go after this. And I uh, you just see like by Stokely, you'll see some kids walking around like clearly athletes and that kind of thing. And I just wonder because people slow down. I see other cars and I see other people who are walking by like to just like always be aware that someone's staring at you at any point when you're walking around campus. It's got to be a little unsettling uh, after yeah. a while. Uh, I don't think I'd like all the attention, but yeah. I guess you just have to deal with it, right? That's you not me. Like, I'm not it. an attention guy. No matter how good the, big this pod and my writing and everything else gets, man, no attention. Like, I am I'm a recluse. I got the fiance. I got the dog. I, uh, I'm i good. I don't I do not <laughs> do well. Like, if I had the one superpower, I'm wearing the invisibility cloak from Harry Potter. Like, that's that's my jam. Like, I, uh, I don't want it. I, I'm not a front-facing person. Like, for instance, here's a good thing. And we'll talk basketball in a second. Um, cause that ostensibly, is ostensibly what the show is about. Ostensibly. That's the key <laughs> there. Um, we had a new neighbor move in this week uh, or this past week. And I am not. So we've talked about this, but like I'm a, I'm a huge introvert. And I think that's misconstrued in a lot of a lot of settings where if people meet me, they're like, oh, you're, you do a pod. So you're clearly you're an extrovert. Um, very much not the case. And. I uh, I didn't know what to do because I didn't really want to have the stop and chat and like introduce myself and all that kind of stuff. I didn't. I was like, ah, we don't we don't have to do this. The the fiance is amazing at this. That's that's her role. Like her, part of the reason, one of the many many reasons I love her is that she is so good at all of that stuff. Where I can just put like she's the forward facing person, bubbly smiles, uh, awesome awesome person. I am just not that guy where I've got the headphones on or I don't really want to engage in the small talk. And it's like, we're, we're not going to be friends. We're not going to see each other. Just uh, just don't, uh, I, I don't know, just be courteous, be not loud, and we're good. Uh, I don't need to connect with my neighbors. And we made eye contact when she moved in as I was going into the house and she was going in. 
And I uh, I did this like half wave where I was like, I'm not turning around and like making him. I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. So I was like, like kind of overwhelmed. So I just was like, and then I uh, I moved into the house. And then later uh, my fiance met her and was like, yeah, I, I saw your fiance. He kind of did like a wave. I don't know what was going on. And she's like, that sounds like him. He's not gonna do that. He's not gonna introduce himself. That's probably not <laughs> how that works. And she was like, yeah, that was... He didn't really know what to do, and I could see that he didn't know what to do. So there you go. That's me. Hmm. I'm big on the the friendly slight wave at yeah. somebody. Well, see, with men, it's easy. Men, you can literally just do the eye where you're just like, that That was amazing. Yeah. Or that's all you've got to do and keep moving. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't, uh, doesn't always work. I don't know if a way of transitioning to FSU basketball from this, Will. I was doing my best as I was talking there to think of uh, a transition. Something you can do, you can mm-hmm. wave goodbye to Kentucky, mm. who lost in the round of 64 to St. Peter's, a 15 seed this past year. Just as a reminder to everyone that that happened. Wow. And now you're into basketball. There you go. What was your favorite Shaden Sharp moment at UK this past year? Uh, the one where all of their fans thought he would play. Mm. Mm. Uh, but the follow-up will be uh, him probably getting picked like 7th or 8th tonight. I don't know. That could be a nice cold he, take if he unfortunately falls. <laughs> are you a watch the draft live person? Yes and no. Uh, this okay. year, I mean, this year I'll be out and about during it, so probably not the first few picks. But are you going to check your phone? Or are you going to keep that going as it's going on? I will. Check. Wait, you I can't. Th- That's cheating. Based on what you're doing, you can't have your phone out, sir. That's true. Well, they'll have it on at the bar, but okay. I, frankly... Uh, my interest in it is just like I will watch for the Pistons and then I'll watch see where Kennedy Chandler gets picked and mm. after that point I'm turning it off and going to bed because I mean I don't know back end of the first round picks they do work out from time to time but they don't really get me going as a viewing mm. experience so and I'm not immediate there's not like many immediately you know emotional interest stories coming to mind for those back of the first round picks they're probably out there and I just don't know about them because those are ones that will like, like the Tom Rinaldi specials. Those are the ones that keep me interested. Well, he's not there anymore. He's at Fox. It's true, and I don't feel like Stephen A. Smith is going to deliver a Tom Rinaldi special. I don't know. I also don't really know if I love like the NFL draft does this more than any other league, where it's just like they really want to reemphasize, man, this was a rough childhood or this was a rough <laughs> situation on the greatest day of this kid's life, and you're like, hey, but here's all the awful things that have happened and transpired. Yes. That's a. It's like that's why players fall. It's not because of, it's like Malik Willis didn't fall to the third round because he was a bad quarterback. It's because he didn't have a, a story that could sell at pick twenty four. By all accounts, a uh, really great kid, Malik Willis. I think uh, I'm rooting for him, man. Um, have, I, have I ever seen him play? No, but you weren't. You weren't grinding the Liberty tape. No, I'm, I'm not grinding much. He was a beast literally. at Roswell, man, like uh, back in the home state. Oh. Um, he was a really good player. Uh, really, really good player. So we'll see. We'll see with your Titans. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Um, but Florida State, we don't have to wait and see because they got him. The top international prospect, Leonard Hamilton, brings in this kid. Like we've talked about, I think, on this podcast that Leonard Hamilton, like if you want an NBA player, like you – like. Florida State has done a really, really good job developing. And Leonard Hamilton, just even with the mess in the football and baseball program around him, he's like, I'm just going to keep minding my business, keep churning along. And Florida State still finding kids and developing kids and still running a really great program. But what do you what do you make of their big international signing from a couple weeks ago? 
Uh, it's it's exciting, I think. I'm going to be the first to admit I barely follow international basketball at all, which is probably a bad thing on my end. Well, you need to be prepared for Victor next year. The French I know kid. Victor very yeah. well. But like these these types, not as much. I would honestly have more insight on an 18-year-old soccer player for Real Madrid than I do mm. uh, this 18-year-old uh, basketball player for Real Madrid. But um, Baba O'Reilly Miller, that's what mm. I'm going with. I'm just kidding. No, Baba Miller. Uh, the draft people I follow and generally trust seem to think FSU just got a huge deal. Yep. Because so... Guys like this are really hard to find much of info on, like, the 247 or on three or even, or well, not rivals, but ESPN-type sites, mm-hmm. uh, because international scouting is pretty difficult to nail consistently. The competition is just different. The way camps are run are different, and the way, like, a basketball player's lifestyle overseas is, is just a lot different than it is in the States, even versus Canada. Mm-hmm. So a lot of sites will just not really cover it unless that player is going to be a surefire elite number one pick type of thing. And so the amount of scouting info you can get out there on this guy that's not from NBA types is pretty minimal. But the ones I know of seem to think this guy is uh, underrated uh, potential first rounder, which would, again, add to FSU's list of first rounders from the last few years. And if, if he's as good as they're claiming... Florida State's for sure getting back in the NCAA tournament and reasonably could be like a top 35, even top 30 team. Uh, I think that they're uh, being underrated on projection Mm -hmm. sites, Florida State as a whole, Um, because Torvik has them 71st for now. And I think part of that is Miller's not really rated uh, all that highly on these sites, whereas like I've said, the guys I know of who really do follow international basketball think he's significantly above his sort of projected rating but at the same time fsu didn't have a full strength lineup after january 11th last year and they went from 46th on ken palm that day to 101st by the end of the year and it's really i mean i don't think that they were ever going to be perfect last year because they really weren't very good uh for much of any stretch of last season but not having a full strength lineup when you were a top 50 team I mean, that season could have been a bit different had injuries not torn it apart. So if they can get some better injury luck, uh, and also I forgot to mention because I just saw it in my notes, they cycled through 13 different starting lineups by the end of the year. That's wild. Which is a ton for any team that's playing, you know, 32, 33 games. That's almost Mm. one every two to three games. So uh, I think if they get better injury luck this year, which seems hard to not do, and if Miller's... Uh, as good as they're projecting that's a team that could sneak up on some people and you know again Leonard Hamilton head coach FSU has been one of the most consistent programs in the nation over the last decade it wouldn't shock me at all if we're looking at the next bracket nine months from now and you see you know six or seven seed FSU ready to make another little mini run in March I would agree uh I would buy some uh, over/under stock on FSU folks. That's that's a pretty safe one. Leonard Hamilton and developing and not having the season from hell in back-to-back years. I yeah. would I buy a lot of FSU stock going into next year. And, and I just can't picture Caleb Mills being as bad as he was last year again because mm. he was so good at Houston. And it's not like Leonard Hamilton is a worse coach than Kelvin. Yeah, I, I would say Kelvin is you know maybe a little better, but Leonard's really good. It's not like the situation cratered for him. So I would bet on a bounce back there too. Yeah, I'm buying in on FSU. There you go. 
Um, Parrish had a big piece on uh, big men returning to college, if this is going to be a trend. I think, I mean, with Oscar Shibwe, you got Baycott, you got a lot of dudes coming back um, who, I mean, look at Kofi at Illinois, and you go up and down the list of, like, a lot of the premier big men in college basketball, and it's like, well, what's, (laughs) I mean, Garza is another one where there's just, college basketball has a evolved a lot like they are (laughs) a lot more teams play like nato style than they do not and what that means is the big men that you've kind of like the sean mays of the world and those kind of guys where they dominated things are just it's not the case for most programs anymore uh that's just not how the style has evolved and like that's just how it is now we also have seen that when you do have that guy who still plays that early 2000s basketball most rosters don't have anyone who can do anything with that person. Like Oscar Seaway could do whatever he wanted uh, for most uh, when he wasn't playing Tennessee uh, this past season. And you go up and down the list, a lot of dudes are kind of like that where Baycott had what 20 something boards in the title game. And like, it's just an absolute beast at the collegiate level. Like he is a fourth or fifth big third big, maybe on an NBA squad and he'll play for a while and maybe can be, uh, somewhat uh, of a long-term fixture in the league, but like it's ultimately this is as good as it's going to get for a lot of these guys. And with NIL and how much money they're able to bring in, I do think this is a trend, as Gary outlined in the piece, that isn't going anywhere. And I think you're going to see a lot of junior and senior bigs and really, really good bigs who stick around for longer than the guards, like the Kennedy Chandlers of the world and guys like that who leave. I think even if you're a premier five-star big i think you're going to see uh more of those guys stick around because i don't think teams lie to these guys and i think when they meet with draft folks and they um, get a read on where they'll go in the draft and how they'll be used the next level i think teams are honest and i think they're like well i mean you'll probably be a third or fourth like we don't see they're not going to tell him they see him as a franchise cornerstone like they're not going to tell keller that like hey we're bringing you in and you're kessler excuse me and we're going to bring you in you're going to be a premier uh option on offense like that's not reality for you so this is it like this is this is as good as it's going to get for a lot of you but you'll be a role player and if you don't want to be a role player and you can make some good money you might as well just stick around for a little bit longer and of course the fear of injury and that sort of thing is also a part of this but i don't know i think this is where college basketball is going what do you think well i mean when i read the piece frankly it could have been written three years ago okay this is this is not really new um I, that's the direction the NBA has been headed for a bit. Mm-hmm. That being said, uh, I think the choice is made a lot easier for these kids by NIL, right? Yeah. Shibley comes back and correct me if I'm wrong. The NIL deal for him was something that was rumored or maybe confirmed. Who knows to be around 2 million, right? I believe so. Yes. And I mean, I like Shibway a lot. I don't think Shibway, I mean, Shibway might not make 2 million in his mm-hmm. NBA career. It's just the way it is. Um, and I, honestly, same might happen for Coburn as well. But mm-hmm. uh, the whole trend of big men returning to college is more or less like, can you shoot a three or <laughs> can you defend the pick and roll? Because uh, the four bigs piece, specifically mentioned, Shibwe, Baycott, Jackson Davis, and Zach Eady, mm-hmm. uh, combined one made three in their respective college Oof. careers. And that is Jackson Davis. He made one last year. So mm-hmm. good for him, honestly. Um I would also say on a scale of 1 to 10, Jackson Davis may be excluded because I think he's a little more mobile. Uh, but like Shibway, Baycon, and Edie, 
if you get those guys like 19 feet from the basket, uh, I'm not going to guess they're going to recover very well at the mm-hmm. basket. If they do, they're fouling you. Uh, and they're always going to play drop coverage and pick and mm-hmm. roll. So that's why they're all back in the same uniforms. As, like you said, these guys were just never going to be picked high. So it's not a shocker that they're coming back. But I think that... There's a difference between like, those guys and Mark Williams. Like, Mark Williams can be the Robert Williams of the world. Like, he's long yeah. enough. And, like, his wingspan's ridiculous. Yeah, like, he, that's he the other part of it. He a lot better. Mm-hmm. So, so those he, kind of guys are going to keep going after one. Like, those are the oh, yeah. guys who you could start on a contending team and play important playoff games. Jalen Duran yeah. too. I would be remiss mm-hmm. if I didn't mention him. Yeah. But, he's yeah, a huge I, wild card. Yeah. But I, I think for, for these dudes, it's... And, and I don't think that basketball inherently is going to stop making players like this. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, you don't want to envision it as like create a player from an NBA game necessarily, but there will more or less always be seven foot, 260 pound centers in mm-hmm. basketball that likely can't shoot beyond, you know, 10 to 15 feet and are likely slow. But against most of their opponents, they're going to whip them because they are bigger mm-hmm. and have much better post moves and get fouled a lot. So there's always going to be a space for those guys. And I think uh, because, I mean, me, I'm a bit of a softie at heart for that type. And mm. because it's what I grew up watching, you know. And so I think it's good on a net value for college basketball for those guys to keep coming back. Especially Shibuya, who's just very easy to root for. Um, I just like diversity, though, where you're just going to yeah. get, like, I want. I don't want everything to be like that. I want some people to play like Alabama. I want some people to play like North Carolina. I want some people to play... Uh, like Iowa, like you want that diversity in college basketball. That's what makes it unique and fun. And and I think that still is going to exist. And, mm-hmm. you know, with the NBA in mind, I frankly, this could be a hot take. I thought these most recent NBA playoffs were the most boring the league has produced in years. A lot of blowouts. A lot of blowouts, but, I mean, and it, you don't want to sound like a cranky old man necessarily, but yeah. the diversity of styles feels smaller than it has in a long time. A lot yeah. of people are playing Golden State basketball, which is okay because Golden State wins a lot of championships. Mm-hmm. But when everybody wants to play the same style, it's just not terribly exciting as a viewer, which is why, you know, do I prefer watching Alabama over Virginia if they have the same, you know, efficiency of offense? Of course I do. Mm-hmm. But. Is, should there be space for both in the college game? Absolutely. And I think that's part of this is, you know, having 360 teams versus 30. Mm. But part of this is also there's just a, a greater diversity of archetype that will work in college versus NBA right now. And so, yeah, I think you, you could twist it into being a trend of sorts. But uh, I think it's just like that's sort of status quo over the last few years and, you know, the Sheboys and Edies of the world are going to keep coming back because college is kind of the last place they can really dominate before you sort of get the culture shock of like, oh, everybody in the NBA is crazy athletic. Yeah, for sure. Um, this was something interesting. So I think we need to keep an eye on this. And we've talked about this where the, I think the SEC, if they're not there yet, they're going to be the best unanimous best basketball conference next year or the year after. It's just, I think the programs that we are most concerned about last year are getting better and made good hires this offseason or like i think george will be better i think um lsu we'll see because <laughs> they are replacing their whole team they're the biggest wild card i have no idea what to make of lsu with mcmahon in year one um but one program that i think is under the radar right now that tennessee fans know all too well with kwanzaa martin uh being at mizzou the last couple years he gets fired 
And they bring in Dennis Gates, who has been a hot commodity among coaching circles and just kind of like this rising star at Cleveland State for years. And he never jumped out of a job. And then he takes the Mizzou job. And then you look at what he's already building. You look at who, what he's done in the portal. You look at just what he, where this Mizzou team could be. Isaiah Mosley's pretty big for Mizzou. And I think that's just not something that people are going to be ready for yet. But, folks, it's June 23rd, and I would keep an eye on Mizzou being a much better basketball team and potentially a tournament team next year. And I don't think people are going to expect that. Like, what do you make of Mosley at Mizzou? And are you pretty, pretty optimistic about what Gates is doing? Uh, I, I am. Yeah. I mean, I think they're, they're going to be improved for sure. I am really interested to see sort of how that all gels together. So Bart Torvik has this mm. thing called uh, transfer points. Yeah. Where my understanding of it is more or less every player is turned into a total statistic statistical value sorry mm. about that it's a tough of one. zero to 100 mm. so like you know i don't know if that's exactly right but if you use that as the formula so like think of the zion duke here that would be 100 yeah so that's the top of the top uh last year's top team was texas at like 420 mm. uh missouri sits at 568 transfer points which is far and away the highest i've ever seen um, they have completely remade the roster, which mm. makes me feel like nothing about last season is applicable to this upcoming yep. season at all for them. They do return, like Kobe Brown is back, and a couple mm. of bench pieces are, but um, it's looking like about 23, 24% of the minutes are returning, mm. as well as scoring. And I mean, that just, you can't really pull much from what was a bad team last year. I think the roster they've assembled until further notice is what I would call like a bubbly team Mm. where it's like, I feel like within reason, the most likely outcome is they're somewhere between 40th and 60th or so in Ken Palm next Mm. year, which is that bubble range of like, you're somewhere between a 10 and 12 seed. Maybe you're in the first four, maybe you're not, maybe you're in the NIT, but they're going to be a lot improved. And I think the biggest shock is going to be how much better they are offensively. Because hmm. uh, Mosley can score really well. Cody Brown, I thought, was underrated. He did a lot in a bad situation. Uh, Muhammad Diara, who is a really interesting player, comes over. Sean East uh, transfers there. They've got some pieces that I'm really curious to see come together. Uh, on surface, or at least on paper, I think their defense is going to be quite bad. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see, for once, if Missouri can sort of outscore themselves, mm-hmm. which hasn't happened since they had Frank Kaith, which is uh, also the last time they were interesting in any way. <laughs> so I'm very excited to actually watch Missouri, which feels weird to say. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think until I have a reason to believe otherwise, that's a team that I'm curious about in terms of, you know, if a couple things break right, they could bounce right back into the tournament after one of the worst years they've ever had. I would say the two teams, like one in the East and one in the West, of who's most likely to have a bounce back and be a be a dangerous team. It's Mizzou in the East, and I think it's Bama in the West. I'm actually writing mm-hmm. about Bama's additions, and like they did really well in the portal. They're keeping their last scholarship open. Nato said, and this is something that I think is cool that I, I think a lot of coaches are adopting, which is that like as great as the portal is and as player friendly as it is, I think coaches could take advantage of it where they just lie to these kids and tell them, Oh, if you come here, you'll play and blah, blah, blah. And we'll talk about why this is important in just a second. Where like, 
Nate's just like, no, we're we're good. Unless you're like a difference maker, we I don't want to lie to a kid and bring him in and him just not play and not have the minutes and just make a bad choice like that. Um, that it's the responsibility of these coaches to be frank and honest about like where you fit in the rotation and how this would work and what are your realistic expectations here. But I do really like the Sears edition. He's somebody I'm writing about this week um, and what I saw from him at Ohio and why he's a really good fit for what NATO wants to do. And uh, they're bringing back some important pieces and they have a couple five stars walking in the building. So they have a really good mixture of five star talent coming in. Uh, with some good transfers and then enough guys bringing back where I'm like, I would not be surprised if NATO's group is one of the 20 best teams in the country next year. It would not surprise me the least bit, just like uh, them being in the top 10 in three-point uh, uh, three attempts uh, every single year he's been at yeah. Alabama, which is pretty wild. But he was their three-point percentage I was looking at it was atrocious this past year. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the worst in basketball. Uh, but yeah, so... I don't know, those two I'm in on. But speaking of that, there was a really good piece about uh, the portal over in The Athletic uh, from a, key, uh, a few weeks ago uh, by C.J. Moore and Kyle Tucker. And it looked at, and this is something that we were waiting on. Remember how we've talked about on this podcast where it's like people who freak out about the portal and freak out about the rapid movement and changes in college sports. It's like eventually there's going to be data. <laughs> eventually there's going to be stuff that programs can use and show kids where it's like okay now it's not the wild wild west anymore like we can show you what a mid-major usually does at a high major now we can show you if you leave where your minutes could go what your situation could look like because if you (laughs) as special as you might think you are or whatever it's like here's the reality here are the numbers and here's what they're saying like we now have a bunch of kids who've made this jump either to the power five or to the mid high majors from the mid majors or vice versa and here's the results thus far and the results have been if you are a mid major guy and you go to the high major your minutes get cut significantly and your usage gets cut and that's just part of the deal so do you want to be a damian lillard cj mccollum type at a low major mid major um, or like a Yuri Collins who, who stays where he is, or do you want to take the risk on going to a bigger pond where now the numbers show chances are you're not going to be featured the same way. Chances are you're not going to get the same minutes. Like it's just a different, a different environment. And it's generally speaking to this point, something where portal kids do not have the same opportunity at their next stop. And I think part of that is because when you talk to these coaches, they just, it takes time to get acclimated. It takes time to, for coaches to trust you. It takes time to, I mean, just build that foundation. And when you're a transfer, it's just really hard when you have freshmen coming in, town freshmen coming in, and guys who have been in the program for a couple of years. Those coaches are going to tend to trust those guys more. Like, he is going to have to earn Rick Barnes's trust. Like, we are excited about him, but, like, he's still going to have to work his way into that rotation and earn that trust. So, I don't know. He still took a risk making the jump, and we'll see what his minutes look like and everything else. But what did you make of the piece, and is that kind of where, where you're at? Well, so this was going to be my stat of the day or whatever oh, here we go. later. So, But uh, the the key of the piece really centers mm. around splitting these players up by high major and mm-hmm. mid-major. High major being what we would call the big six, mm-hmm. ACC, SEC, Big 12, Big 10, Pac-12, Big East. And then everybody else. Mid-major, so it also does helpfully separate to mid-major plus, which is, you know, American Athletic, Mountain mm-hmm. West, Atlantic 10. The The key to understanding this piece is that for high-major kits, so top six conferences, mm-hmm. more often than not, their minutes per game increased, their offensive efficiency increased, and their points per game increased. 
for everyone else, everyone mm-hmm. at those seven through 31 conferences, even including the top end ones, mm-hmm. everything went down. Uh, I mean, even the kids from the AAC, Mountain West, Atlantic 10, their efficiency did go up, but their points per game went considerably down on the whole. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they went from they went from being, you know, say the number one or even second banana at their school to being like the fifth option. Mm-hmm. And I want to be kind to our mid-major friends because I really like watching your basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably the purest form of the sport at this point. But the high major conferences are known as the high major conferences for a reason. That's mm. where the majority of the talent goes. It's where the mo- most of the best coaches are, really. And that's where most of the best recruiters are. Mm-hmm. Uh, their average high major transfer, transfer is simply more likely to be a more well-rounded, better player than your average Atlantic 10 transfer. Mm-hmm. And this piece lines up pretty well with that. It... Uh, it's really useful for illustrating that, you know, say you get somebody from, I don't know, Louisiana Tech who averages 17 points a game. Mm-hmm. The odds of them being um, X player who averages 17 points a game at Texas A&M are way lower. Mm-hmm. That's like, I mean, there's a guy, uh, Eric Fawcett, who does great writing on mm-hmm. Florida basketball, actually, who has formulas, you know, that kind of guess within a pretty good range actually of how players will translate from like the summit league to the sec and almost as a whole, everybody goes down. And now Mm -hmm. we have data after a couple of years to show that this is real. And, you know, unfortunately that's the way it's going to be. And, you know, does this help temper expectations for people transferring from like the Southern conference? Probably. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think more importantly, if players see this, they might be more willing to stay at their mid-major school versus transfer up. But again, you have to factor in NIL, you have to factor in visibility because, I mean, say you're playing, even if you're like the sixth man at Arkansas, you're just going to be on TV a heck of a lot more than if you were number one or number two at UAB. Yeah. So it's, it's it's a hard question to crack. We have good data on it now to show that your odds are just a lot better if you're from one of the big six, but you know, there's still reasons to transfer, I suppose. That's true. Um, what about Tennessee? Do we have any new Tennessee notes that uh, you wanted to mention here? Kenny Chandler late first round tonight. We're taping this before the NBA draft. It looks like he's going to be just outside the lottery. I really um, want him to fall to the Grizzlies just because mm. I think he and Jot together would be really fun. Okay. Um, but I, d- him, I don't know if that would necessarily be the best situation for him. The Spurs could be a good landing spot too. I think that'd be nice. Yeah. Um, but I don't know the best, situ- as long as he goes in the first round, I'd be happy. But the team wise, I don't really know of anything new. I know that there, you know, some games being announced here and there. I don't Texas I, at I, home since we, uh, like to, re- to record oh, yeah. last yeah, Texas so get- at home, which will, uh, frankly, hopefully be a much more watchable game this time out. Mm. Last year's was one of, uh, <laughs> somehow did not manage to be Tennessee's least watchable game of the year, which is a minor victory. Wait, what do you uh, think the least watchable was? Oh, Texas Tech, for sure. Disgusting yeah. affair. Ole Miss, Ole Miss came really close, though. That was a pretty bad game. Villanova's pretty crushing. I wanted to turn that one off for a while. That, that one was a that tough was one to get to the end, yeah. Um, but, I mean... Nothing really new. I do really wish Tennessee would find another option at point guard just to help out Ziggler a little more and potentially B.J. Edwards as well. Do you think he's going to start? Uh, I kind of wish Ziggler wouldn't because I feel like he's best as a sixth man for now. See, that's what I'm saying. We were talking about this on the Go Big Orange Friday with the crew where I was like, 
I'm still going to bet, like, Barnes, if I had to guess his starting five and, like, what he does, I'm going to guess he leads with Vescovy, JJJ, uh, Phillips, Kamwa, and Euros. I think he starts big and then progressively uh, shifts. I think progressively by the end of the year, Phillips is the five. (laughs) Yeah. Like I'm not kidding. Like I think that if I was a betting man and I am very much not, I would, I would guess that's how Barnes starts. Cause I don't think he wants to use Ziegler as a lead guard, right? Like he's just so good off the bench that I don't know, man, I would be nervous about it. And that size, the defense Mm -hmm. with that starting five would be pretty, pretty crazy shooting and scoring problem but uh, and i, and I don't pain. think it would be a huge deal of Ziggler's mm. off the bench because i think we all know like more often than and probably like 90 percent of the time he'd close games out mm. so it's really more about like as long as he's in the closing five it's not a huge deal but we so. don't know the closing five is going to shift i think that's another thing you gotta remember is that like there's not going to be a good answer here because if phillips on the wing with Josiah jordan james and vescovy like we know those three are going to close like i don't yeah. see any way those three don't close but then it makes it complicated for the Zieglers and the keys of the world where I don't, maybe it's just who has it that particular night. That's the yeah. closer, but I don't know. I think uh, who closes is very much up in the air where I'm very, I, I think it would just be matchup based and how the game's going, but it's a good problem to have where you have a lot of different options that you could throw out to close. But I think Barnes starts big. That's, that's his thing. I hope not, but we'll see. I, w- I would also say in a non basketball, well, I guess kind of a basketball note, it was. Uh, I know the season's over. Everybody's sad, etc. Mm. Uh, but it was pretty cool to see the basketball team's embrace of the baseball team. Saw them there a lot. I, I don't feel so. I was a student, twenty eleven to twenty fifteen, mm. uh, and obviously baseball is a lot different then than it is mm. now with uh, Serrano in charge. But mm. I do not remember. I don't feel like I ever saw basketball players at baseball games, or mm. really much of like program to program support. Whereas now it seems like the like Tennessee's basketball program can be found pretty often at other sporting events, and the mm-hmm. same goes for like football players or baseball players coming to basketball games. It's or like softball too. Mm-hmm. So I think you know it just seems, and this is you know very secondhand. I don't really know anything on this, but it seems like the overall camaraderie uh, from program to program is just better than it was when I was on campus. Yeah. I think so, and I think NIL has also helped here, where jerseys yeah. are getting moved, and you want to move merch and stuff like that, so you want to be more in the community and um, that sort of thing. But it's also, I think they enjoy just taking photos of fans and interacting with fans. And if you're in the off season, like uh, Ziegler and Triple J were at a lot of games this past year. Uh, Mayshack was there um, a couple times, but yeah, I mean it, it is cool, and it's also just cool for the kids. Like those kids are just like it, to see in their faces where they realize, oh, that's the guy from basketball that I like, and then just want to get a picture and just their face light up, or they're like, I wasn't expecting to see him. They just see these guys as superheroes, and I think um, a lot of those, uh, a lot of Tennessee guys just get it. We have a really likable bunch all across yeah. the board, which, which is it's nice to have that. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely. Um, pour one out for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> did they i honestly have not watched this yeah second. they're out but they're, yeah, they're so, out. oh well good hate oh, to see sorry. it sorry um but it looks like another <laughs> sec team's probably gonna win old miss looks like like mississippi is gonna go back to back it looks like quick quick 15 second rant this is why Stay it's the dumbest this. tournament in sports is because mm-hmm. Ole miss sucked and mm-hmm. it's like what they weren't they the last team man maybe but, i mean they were also number one in the country at one point like for, that's the whole for thing no is, reason 
I mean, they were good. Like, Ole Miss should have been good. Like, this is what they should have been this year. And it just, yeah. the season was not going that way. I mean, we swept them in Oxford months ago. But, um, I don't know. One of the dumber things, so it, it's hard. And this is why I never engage on Twitter.com because you won't <laughs> get anywhere. But, like, I'm a, you and I were processed over results. But a lot of the folks like, you can't be the best team if you didn't make it to the College World Series. Like, well, they, do we discount months of evidence of not losing an entire series at home the entire season where those games just don't don't count and it's just, <laughs> you yeah. have to be perfect like no those games count too like especially uh, in the, the literal highest variant sport mm-hmm. so yeah like whatever. you could still be like the best team doesn't win generally speaking in college world series so yeah you can be the best team in the country tennessee can be the best team this past season and not win a title that's this okay. is why i don't reply to anybody's yeah. replies anymore go vols <laughs> Vols against the world Vols by 90 um there you go and then what quickly some sad news uh this week with caleb swanigan of purdue who an unbelievable story there's a really great piece uh in the indie star by uh greg doyle about caleb that i highly encourage everybody to go check out but um it's just heartbreaking that story and you read about it and what happened post-career and um just what he had to go through just getting to the league and moving to Indiana and getting in basketball shape and really, really grinding and becoming a just college basketball superstar um, at Purdue and just a tragic, tragic end where it's just like, I don't know with his stuff. It's like, it's just not fair. A lot of the stuff was just out of his control and I don't know. I just, I feel bad for his family, the Purdue community and everything else. Cause he was a really fun player to watch in college. And, um, uh, I don't know. That's just a rough loss for Purdue and uh, just the Swanigan family and friends and everything else because, man, you just don't want to see that mid-20s, too young. Yeah. and Way, yeah. way, way too young. And it's it's obviously really sad for all sorts of reasons. But, you know, nostalgic-wise, I feel, you know, there could be an argument made for other players, but he sort of brought in the new Purdue big man revolution of the last few years where he was like he paved the way for like Travion Williams and Zach Eady and even like Isaac Haas a little bit mm. where it was like he was sort of the first true dominant big man they had and redefined kind of what I thought of Purdue basketball uh and I don't know he was a great player to watch but tossing the basketball part of it aside you know you just hope his family is comforted in this time that uh it's it's just brutal man 25 mm. i cannot imagine <sighs> yeah um we'll end on this our Kim Palm top 25 uh series that we're doing every week on this very program uh this this team illinois brad underwood process over results man process over results where they have a good thing cooking underwood's one of the best better coaches in college basketball, I think. And they're going to look a lot different next year, I think. Um, but based on what you saw this past year, what were your biggest takeaways from Illinois basketball, and where do you think they're going next year? Uh, well, like you said, they're going to look so much different just because mm-hmm. Kofi Coburn's not there. Yep. Uh, the story for last year's team, I feel like I kept expecting them to flip the switch and get mm-hmm. better, like a low-end top-10 team, and it just never came. They... It just felt. I know they had suffered through a lot of injuries. Like Coburn was in and out of the lineup, uh, Grandison was in and out. Frazier had a few misses. Melendez was out, 
and uh, Disaster Factory Andre Corbello also missed games. So that was a net good for them, I would say. Um, but they just never got it going. I mean, I'm looking right now at their February stretch where, you know, you beat Indiana on the road, which is a great win. Then you lose to Purdue by 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, you beat MSU on the road, an NCAA tournament team, but uh, sand- that's sandwiched between two losses to Rutgers and Ohio State. You make it to the Big Ten Conference Tournament. You play pretty well in your first-round game, and then you lose to Indiana and play the part of them getting into the tournament. Uh, as the, I believe Illinois is the number one, no, number two overall seed in the tournament. Mm-hmm. But um, either way, they just never figured it out. Uh, I know... Iota Sunmu was huge for them, but they brought back more than enough to be better than what they were. Good shooting, great rebounding, but they couldn't force turnovers. And kind of going back to what we talked about earlier with Big Man, uh, their best player was a gigantic human who generally in the regular season could not really be stopped because he was just bigger than everybody. But when you're in one-off, uh, one-off scenario where the entire game plan is built around exploiting the fact that he's slow and is more or less just big, it's kind of hard to make that work for Mm -hmm. a long stretch of time, unless you have great scoring to go with it, and they didn't in March. Um, Coburn was a lot like how you would talk about Rudy Gobert or somebody, where everybody agrees that he's one of the best players out there in the regular season. But when it comes to March, and you're able to exploit things a little bit more with one-on-one matchups, it just didn't work out quite as well. So I, I want to see, you know, what happens with life after Coburn and Curbelo and a lot of guys being gone. Mm. Uh, they have some really interesting pieces. Terrence Shannon being the biggest one to me. Yeah. I want to see how that works. Matthew Mayer from uh, from Baylor, of course. And then Sky Clark and Ty Rogers. Those are two pretty interesting pieces to have on board. Shooting, I think, is going to be a little bit of a problem for them. They don't project to have much of it but they should be better defensively and they really should be a hair better on the whole. I would not be surprised to look up uh, in March and see them as a four or five seed again. And it's like we said, process over results. If you just do this exact thing over and over where you're consistently top 15 one year, it's going to work. And really I think all Illinois fans seem to want at this point is a sweet 16 bid. Mm-hmm. If you're, if you're top 15 over and over, eventually you're going to make the sweet 16. I I think they're going to be one of the better better programs uh, this year. I think they're going to be. Do you think this is a more? This is what's interesting. It's like because they're going to look so different. Do you think this is a roster that is better equipped for a deep March run than yes. uh, what he said? Okay. Yeah, I, I think the I wouldn't be surprised if they struggle a little bit to start the year just because they literally returned fifteen percent of their scoring. Uh, team now transfer heavy teams have worked earlier in the year. It's not mm-hmm. like a shocker when it happens, but in general, you're kind of expecting a little bit of a transition period, especially since you know practice isn't as long as it used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it it wouldn't surprise me if say like mid January is really where it starts to click, and then when you get to March and say you know like they're a four or five seed, it wouldn't surprise me if they're the four or five seed, the twelve seed really dreads drawing. Hmm. Okay. Who do you think is the highest usage guy on offense next year in Illinois? Uh, it really could be Sky Clark. Uh, hmm. If those, you know, if the reports of what he is as a high school player are true, 
he could go right in there and be the number one alpha dog. Just like it would be a Kennedy Chandler type of situation where it's a smaller guard, you know, just automatically is the main option. You could also make a little bet on Matthew Mayer. I wouldn't. I don't think Shannon is really built to be a number one, but Mayer could be in the right situation, and this might be the right situation for him. Hmm. I uh. I don't know. We'll see. I think this is pretty good. Um. Speaking of, did you see who would you guess uh, Bart Torvik as is the highest offensive usage guy for Tennessee this year? Uh. Um, you already looked, or do you not know? The the best thing last year is that it was Fulkerson, but I <laughs> I do not know. I would guess probably Vescovy. I'll give you one more guess. It it honestly might be Tyreek Key because of how the mid-major thing works. It is Tyreek Key. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, Refer back to our transfer talk (laughs) earlier. Uh, He will be useful off the bench. Also, you can make a little case for Julian Phillips, highest usage. I just, what we saw from Keon and uh, Barnes two years ago, I just, I don't know if that's how that's going to go. I don't know. It seems like he's more comfortable with the traditional point guards leading the charge and hmm. uh, initiating the offense. It just doesn't seem like he the point forward thing is still going to be much of a thing. And I wanted that a lot with Keon, where I just felt like Keon could have done a lot more. Um, but it was also COVID year, weird stuff. I don't know. That's a big what if. The Jaden Springer-Keon team is a big what if, uh, if that's not a COVID year, and they <laughs> are healthy, and I I don't know. That's a, That's a big what if. Um, Will, that's all I've got, sir. Uh, you have anything you would like to plug? StatsByWill.com. Anything new this week? Uh, nothing new this week. I would love to plug the one Knoxville Sporting Club soccer team. Top of you the love table. This. Love them. Top of the table in the deep Are you South watching division. these games or are you just keeping up with what's going on? I, I've been Whenever they have decent road streams, which shockingly for semi-pro soccer is not often, mm-hmm. I will watch. I am not going to watch somebody filming from the stands. That's a no-go. <laughs> Uh, not even, not for any sport would I do that. But like, so they played Asheville City uh, Soccer Club on Tuesday, and they had like a professional stream with commentators and everything. It was nice. Could you so, do, do? Would you do the commentator thing if they asked you to be like a? Could you do it? I think I'd be so boring on it. I would do it if they asked, sure. But mm-hmm. I would be very boring. I'm also not that uh, much an expert, but. Um, no, the well, now I know fun. what it is because I see that one Knox sticker all the time around Knoxville, and I've never known what it was. I just thought it was like one of those brands around mm. Knoxville you can buy it like a boutique or whatever, where it's like you know those people who have just like the Knox hat and it's yeah. just like a logo around it. I just I never thought anything of it, and then you saw it, you post about it, and I was like, oh, that's literal. That's a literal sport team. I did yes. not know. And Knox, well, they they just started this year, so I think okay. you're forgiven in that. Okay, that's good. Are they going to play in the Smoky Stadium? Are they going to be part of that development? Shout out to yes. the Smokies who has that. Okay, so they're going to be joint, um, jointly playing over there. Yeah, and uh, I think they are planning to move up to USL 1 next year, which is like paid athletes. So semi-pro is just like college kids for a summer break. Mm-hmm. But when you move up, you get to you know like actually select your guys, which is cool, and keep them. It'd be cool if they were like the minor league for the Nashville SC team or something. That'd be cool. Yeah. That would be nice. I don't know if Nashville SC is going to do because Atlanta United have their. Yeah, own we have little... ATLU too. Yeah, so I mm-hmm. wonder if that'll ever happen. But it'd be cool if they did. Yeah, yeah. just two hours apart. So, speaking of, I mean, Atlanta United, they or MLS have done the best work. Like that new model mm-hmm. where every game is going to be on uh, Apple TV next year, and they're only playing on Wednesday and Saturday for appointment viewing. That's how you do it. 
Like it's tri- like that is how college football and everything else wins. Like that's what they should be leaning into is like we're going to be the college football for the Premier League where it's like we're a niche that sort of thing. We're never going to catch the Chelsea's, the Liverpool's, the Man United mm-hmm. of the world. But what you can do is the appointment viewing and be the college football of the sport and know that hey, Atlanta United, Nashville, whoever, they're always on these two particular days. So you know who's playing and when. Because, like, there'll just be games you're like, is Lenny United playing today? Like, is that what's yeah. happening? Like, it, it, there's no rhyme or reason. Having it be all on one channel where if you just get this app and you can watch whoever you want to watch, but you know that that is when they're playing. Like, that Wednesday and Saturday. You know when college football's on, and now you'll know when MLS is on every single week. That is just a home run. Home run yes. for them. MLS is, uh, at least for an American major sport, shockingly well run. Yeah, because very, very few American sports are well run. <laughs> so would, you take it when you can get it. I would agree with that. Stats by Will. Go to check uh, statsbywill.com. Follow him on Twitter at Stats by Will. Thank you as always, my friend. Good luck in trivia tonight. And uh, I'll talk to you next week. Talk to you soon. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Chase Must Podcast. Thank you again to Will for making the time. Per usual, go give him a follow at Stats by Will and go check out statsbywill.com if you've not already done so. And then also, if you enjoyed today's episode of the program, here on the blue wire pod network and you're listening via apple Podcasts or spotify and you have not already done so please 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 make sure that you leave this show a five-star rating and a review on uh, those uh, podcast players if that is indeed how you listen it helps other people find the show and it helps this show continue to grow uh, go subscribe to the newsletter sports renaissance man sports renaissance man that's me dot type your email that easy that simple um, check us out on YouTube. Again, all kinds of great video content over there. YouTube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast. So check all that out uh, when you can. And I greatly appreciate it. And thank you so much for making the Chase Thomas Podcast part of your daily listen here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. So all kinds of great stuff on the horizon this summer. So I appreciate you guys sticking around and uh, following along here on the show. Email me with any questions, mailbag stuff, anything like that you want to interact with the show. You can always do that at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. New episode tomorrow here on the program and uh, days after that. The content never stops here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. Talk to you all soon. Uncle Derek, how'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.